Welcome to Not Another Football Podcast, the football podcast by fans for fans. What's going on, everybody? We're your hosts, Greg Curtis and Mike Champagne, and welcome to the first episode of 2021. Dude, that is so weird to say. I know. New year. I know. How, how were your holidays? Uh, my holidays were good. I uh, spent them in the Catskills in New York with Nair's uh, immediate family. Um, and it was really great. It, it snowed almost every day. We were in a isolated cabin, um, just maybe 10, 10 of us, which was the, the most they would allow in, indoors at one, one time. Um, and it was just a really great experience, a really awesome time spending time with her parents and um uh all the the brothers and sisters and stuff and that was that was that was fun um of note in that in that experience i was uh you know i growing up my mom always raised me to be more of an old school person and so when naira told me that before we could get married i had to ask her parents you know i i kind of jumped on that and it was always in the back of my mind like oh like this is something i really want to do and I'm, I'm so excited to do it and and i was very blessed and lucky to be able to do it um a little bit after Christmas, uh, over this, this last, over the, the holiday week. And so, um, that's, that's been a really huge development and I'm, I'm just incredibly excited to share that. Is that something you want to be talking about on the podcast? Like, does she, does she know that it happened? Oh yeah, she does. She does. Absolutely knows. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, mean look, I, there are 10 of us in a, in a cabin for a week and a half. I did it, you know, maybe halfway through, of course, she's going to find out eventually, but no, um, you know, we, we talked about it before and we've, um, yeah, you know, it's it's just something that we wanted to do to just kind of bring some old traditions, keep them, keep them going. No, I, I respect that. I just know some people, you know, obviously try and keep it secret to sure for, for whatever reason. So I was just like, wow, I can't believe you're putting that out there. But yeah, that's, really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. No, she's she's far too curious to keep to keep big secrets like that for for too long. Um, so yeah, we definitely talk about a lot of that stuff. Um, the, the only secret I am keeping is when I'm going to propose to her. She doesn't know that. Yeah, well, that's exciting. I'm I'm really excited to to hear about the proposal and whenever it happens. Oh, you will, you will. <laughs> Our holidays were good. It, they they were really low key. Camille and I just stayed here uh, for Christmas, and uh, that that was really fun. And then for New Year, kind of just kept it low key. Watched watched some movies and and just kind of hung out and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, about as super low-key as you can get. So, this season, honestly, has has been so much better than I ever could have expected. But um, let's just take a moment to also acknowledge the fact that through the middle of a pandemic, they were still able to logistically pull off a 17-week season, and now we're going into the postseason. Like, it's just, it's, it is incredible, to, to your point. It is um, just... I'm in awe that they had as as few road bumps that they did. No, I agree. And it's one thing that in other sports, there was bubbles happening. So yep, it, it was amazing in itself that that happened in baseball, NHL, and the NBA without any incidents. And in the NFL, it was, it was kind of almost a matter of time of when an outbreak was going to happen. And it started with Tennessee and then other teams and – and right then, you know, everyone, you know, a lot of people started pushing the panic button, like, oh, just pause the season, cancel it, go to bubbles. But the NFL saw it through and punished teams accordingly. And there some games got moved around, but all 17 weeks were completed when they were supposed to happen. And that is amazing, especially when you think about people going back home, having families, the holidays, like mm-hmm. now. With that being said, it it would be crazy of me to overlook what's happening in Cleveland right now. Of course. Um, because it, that doesn't just affect them. It could affect how the playoffs are played. And the yeah. head coach and some of their other players aren't going to be playing this weekend, which honestly is, you know, it, it just really sucks for Cleveland. But there's nothing you can do about that. But all in all, I think the NFL has done a, a tremendous job. And I'm just I cannot believe that we had a full season. Yeah, um, and you're right. We can't we can't overlook what's happening in, in Cleveland today as we as we record this. And it is truly unfortunate um, that they won't 
have you know have these some of these key pieces uh, quite unfortunate um but yes you know and and i give a lot of credit to to the nfl and the way that they were able to uh game this out and and uh make a a framework that that was successful for 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 17 weeks so i'm excited to see how the playoffs roll out with with this uh speed bump but i think all in all it's a really good sign for uh for the years to come agreed and my last thing on this, and not to really kind of kick Cleveland while they're down, but I'm going to, isn't this just a Cleveland thing to happen? Like you finally make it to the playoffs for the first time in like <laughs> 17 or 18 years and you're missing your head coach and your start, you know, all pro left guard and your uh, one of your defensive ends or outside linebacker just uh, towards Achilles last game. So I'm just like, man, that just sucked. You finally get there and you're limping in. That's just, that's terrible. Yep. But hey, power to them for 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 making it there. And I know we'll talk about it later when we, when we talk about awards for the season. But um, Kevin Stefanski, I think, has has done has done a great job. And I, I just uh, patting myself on the back a little bit, but also um, just really acknowledging that uh, they you want to talk about adversity. Um, Baker, I saw a stat the other day that Baker Mayfield is going to be like the, one of the only quarterbacks to to start two consecutive four, uh 16 uh, sorry 17 game seasons uh for the Browns since like some sometime in the in the um 1900s like it's it's unbelievable any any time after no maybe it was 2004 some other, some some year like that but it's been like that was that was a, a stat that scrolls across the screen like they've been a factory of sadness for so long yeah good for them and yeah <laughs> So with that being said, let's let's get into our first topic of the day, and that's that's the NFL awards for this season. So let's just start with the the big daddy, the, the one that everyone uh, talks about literally uh, right after the first pass is thrown of the season, MVP. So this year, I talked about Russell Wilson and let Russ cook, and I first five games of the season. He was MVP. There was nothing stopping me, you know, yep, from all about it for him. But uh, man, I, I I didn't jump ship, but it just that kind of deflated real fast. With Russ with got cooked, form. he really <laughs> did. And I would still, I know he's going to get votes for the first time in his career, which is great. But he ultimately won't win it. I have. Aaron Rodgers winning it. What he's doing this year is just, it's great. It's, it's Aaron, it's Aaron Rodgers. So I'm, I'm, I would vote for him and I would give him his third MVP. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who I had too. Um, you know, they, the, a lot of conversations have been going on around the MVP and to me, it has to be such a game, a game changer, really. Has to be somebody who, without them, the team isn't the same. And Aaron Rodgers is that guy. Think about like the lack of receiving help that he's had over these years, only to to have had had the prolific season that he's that he's had. And it's, I I hope he can play a couple more seasons and maybe win another ring. I just, uh, yeah, he. I can't think of anybody else this year who I would I would uh, would put there. He's playing uh, playing great. Dude, the fact that he's got 48 touchdowns and five interceptions is just, it's unreal. That is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, him having uh, a healthy team around him has really helped. I mean, my offensive player of the year, uh, Devontae Adams, and, and you know, it's it's purely because of what he's been able to do with, with Rodgers, um, and that's Talk about MVP. The MVP and the the offensive player of the year, in my opinion, should should usually be on the same team. Um, but yeah, it's incredible. I'm right there. I'm right there with you in the yeah. fact that if you take him off of that team, they're a completely different team. He means so much to that to that offense. And I know that just sounds like very obvious. Like, uh, duh, if you take anyone off of a certain team, they're just a different team. But some teams can still win. Like, look at the Giants, Colt McCoy. I know if you took Patrick Mahomes off the Chiefs, they have such good people or players on their team that yeah. they would still win games. Like they obviously wouldn't be as dangerous as they are and right. feared, but they could still win games. You know, you put 
for instance, just say you put Derek Carr on that team, uh, someone from their own division. Mm-hmm. I would still say like, okay, they're capable of winning eight to 10 games a year, 11. So yeah. Rogers, if you took him off of that team, I, I, th- I think they struggle winning yeah. seven or eight games, you know, even yeah. getting 500. So, and he's doing that year after year. Yeah, he really is. So next up, we have offensive rookie of the year. You and I are, are agreement are on it. You and I are <laughs> in agreement on this, and I think we were the same when we first did this back in week four. Um, I think so too. And that is Justin Jefferson, wide receiver on the Minnesota Vikings. So why did you choose him? Yeah, um, beyond the incredible stats that he's put up. Um, he's really kind of uh, carried himself with the confidence that not a lot of, of young rookies have. I mean, him being able to kind of, to kind of chirp at, at, at Kirk Cousins and yet still be able to to be at the, the level that he's at statistically is is incredible to me. And that's that's what I, um, you know, looking at him in, in, in college, we all knew that he had skills that, that could translate and skills that would, that would pr- make him a better NFL player. Being able to put that all together in Minnesota, despite – the frustrating season that they've had, I, I think really shows the type of player that, that he is in this sort of early adversity in his career. I think it's only going to set him up for success. And so for me, he's just uh, show, showcasing a lot of um, a lot of intangibles as well as tangibles that that will make uh, him a good player for a long time to come. But I think that, that you and I also had um, our, our second player was, I think the same in this, I think around week four, we, we were both talking about um, a potential superstar, uh, and Herbert, and did you want to expand a little bit on that? And then, we, well, after you you talk about why um, you also chose Justin Jefferson, yeah. So uh, first, with with Justin Jefferson, I think he had such big shoes to fill. Stephon Diggs was such oh, a true. big playmaker with the Minnesota Vikings that you you trade him away, and all you get are draft picks back. Draft picks are such unknowns, where usually whenever a team just gets draft picks back on players or for a player and not an actual player, I'm just like the other team initially always wins that trade. He put up 88 catches for 1400 yards and seven touchdowns. And that's the most uh, receiving yards by a rookie in the Super Bowl era. So just think about that. Just what he's done in that offense. And I remember seeing a TikTok. Uh, the other day, and it was from draft night of this last draft uh, class, and it was from the Minnesota Vikings. Philadelphia was on the clock right before them, and they were talking about people who Philadelphia was going to take, and once they chose Jalen Rager, oh, uh, yeah. right, the Vikings front office was laughing, and they immediately said, get on the clock, put Justin Jefferson on the phone, and they were like laughing because they could not believe that Philadelphia passed on him. Yeah. And I, I know hindsight's 2020, but coming out of it, uh, the draft or going into the draft, I think Justin Jefferson's biggest concern, everyone was just saying like, Oh, he's a slot receiver. He's a slot receiver. Yeah. You know, how, how is he going to transition to the outside? Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm sorry. Even if he is a slot receiver, look at what some quarterbacks have been able to do with slot receivers. Look at Cole Beasley. Like, yeah. Diggs yeah. are uh, led the league this year in yardage for wide receivers. And Cole Beasley is a slot receiver. Uh, Brady made, you know, Edelman and careers. Brady, Brady made careers off of slot receivers. So to me, if I was just like, okay, he's going to be a really good slot receiver. I'd be like, okay, give me that all yeah. day. Yeah. So, and then, so just to touch on quickly, Justin Herbert, I mean, what he got thrown into in in Los Angeles was unprecedented. I don't think anyone really saw that uh, coming in five minutes before the game, being like, "Hey, told, you know, you're going to start." And just the numbers he put up, you know, setting the record for most passing touchdowns by a quarterback. And he didn't even play. What was it? The first two games, something like that. Yeah. So he could have he you know could have added realistically four to six more touchdowns on there. Um, 
But man, they found themselves a gem in the draft. And whoever the head coach for the Chargers um, is going to be, they've man, we'll talk about it here in a minute. But they 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 found someone really good, and I th- I won't be surprised if he wins it. I think, like you just said, Jefferson should win. But usually, more often than not, they do go to quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. I like I like Herbert a lot too. I'm really happy for him. So next up, we have defensive rookie of the year. I feel like this one could have gone in three different. Like I think this one could have gone three, possibly four different ways. Who okay. did you choose? So I chose Chase Young. Um, I think that's that's really the the popular pick and and the uh, the trendy pick right now. Having just been interested in Washington um, in the last couple of games of the season. Um, but he really seemed to to grow into the role of of a leader, especially seeing uh, somebody who was voted as a team captain in the offseason, who who was a number one overall or who was a number one uh, pick, uh, just kind of let the team down in the way that he did. Um, and for the rookie to step up and to to not only lead um, that that pretty pretty scary defense, but but with the poise and, and leadership that he's shown. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of him calling out Tom Brady, um, but well, I don't uh, think he really called him out. He just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming after you. I think it was harmless. Sure. You know? he, sure. He just, he's got as a, as a rookie at it, you got to get there first. Um, and, and whatever. It, I, I think he's, he's a great player on an okay team and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do in the future. And I think he played very well for, for uh, a rookie. Uh, who did you have other than him? For me, it's coming down to four people. Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety of Tampa Bay. Very fair. Yep. Patrick Queen, linebacker of the Ravens. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Chin, safety of the Panthers. And okay. Jason's Chase favorite. Young. Yep. If you would have told me any one of those – maybe I'll just say young queen and chin were the three finalists and it went to any of them. I would say, okay, like that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, but because he's such a big name, they made the playoffs. I, I do think it will go to young. Yeah. Um, my vote would be for Jeremy chin. I just think that where he was drafted, what was it? The 64th pick he can line up anywhere on the field he to me it's it's like uh jabril peppers when he played Mm. for michigan you put him all over the field he's like similar to isaiah simmons on the cardinals he's so gifted that you can put him anywhere he can fill any holes he had 117 tackles two tackles for loss one sack five quarterback hits an interception uh, five passes defended, two fumble or two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and two touchdowns. It's like wow. the dude is just everywhere. Yeah, that, that's who I would put. But I think it's like a McCaffrey on defense. Exactly, and unfortunately, because he plays on Carolina, I don't think that he'll get it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times with these awards, it it is about the story and where teams end up. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think Young will get it. So moving on, offensive player of the year. Why don't you go ahead and start this one since you kind of touched <laughs> on it during the MVP talk? That's fair. Uh, yeah, I chose Devontae Adam, um, Adams, and I, I think it, it honestly could just be recency bias. The last game I watched was against the Titans, and I was pretty stunned. Um, it, he just incredible uh just an incredible at not only just an incredible athlete and 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 wide receiver but his his route running and and the there was a, a clip on you uh twitter the other day circulating um of people trying to double team him and he was just exp- like destroying these double teams and and it's just that that kind of talent that he has a wide receiver is is great um now i'll be it he has a hall of fame quarterback throwing to him and i'm sure it's a lot easier you know, to be, to be great when the ball is exactly where you would need, you know, based on your specialties. But um, for me, he, he's had an outstanding season. How about you? I think Adams is a great choice. Cause as a receiver, he really is unguardable. The way he comes off the line, his route running, just him catching is just the dude is unreal. He's up there to me currently right now as one of the top 
I don't know, three wide receivers in the game. But I went with Derrick Henry. Okay, fair enough, fair. The dude put up 2,000 rushing yards. And I think it's just, to me, it's super impressive to put up 2,027 rushing yards and 17 touchdowns. He averaged 5.4 yards per attempt. Going into games, teams know, and the Titans know, all right, you got to shut down the run game. And teams try so hard. They commit to that. And he's still putting up these numbers. The dude is just hard to stop. And he will literally put the team and defenders on his back and carry you to a, to a W. I remember like coming out of Bama, Derrick Henry, isn't going to be any good. He, He got so many carries in college and they, I remember his rookie year, he sat behind, I think DeMarco Murray and everyone kind of just forgot about him. And then, you know, his next year he got a couple more carries, but the last two and a half years, it's just like, yo, this dude's the best running back in the game. And yeah. I don't know, as like I said, as, as a Ravens fan, we've seen him twice in the past two years and he has done us dirty. Yeah. And I don't like it. And unfortunately we see him again this weekend, but man, that dude is, that dude's a beast. He's just a, he's a wrecking ball. Like Miley Cyrus would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. Uh, man, I'm really frustrated to play them in the first round, but whatever. So defensive player of the year. I hear you rolling your eyes already. Um, oh, you have no idea how bad. <sighs> so rude. He's a great player. Um, <laughs> I'm not disputing that. I just disagree with you, but I respectfully disagree. So go ahead. Sure. Okay. So let me put some context around defensive player of the year for, uh, for, from my perspective. So, to me, somebody who is defensive player of the year kind of needs to have that game-breaking ability uh, like a receiver or, or a running back um, on offense who would win offensive player of the year. And on defense, uh, there is no uh, better accomplishment than forcing and recovering a turnover. And Marlon Humphrey, at a, at a, at a rate unparalleled, uh, in quite some time, the NFL is forcing uh, the the ball out, and you know, for me, and and but that's on top of his coverage ability. You have a lot of players who are either really good at, like, look at Marcus Peters for a perfect example. He is a turnover magnet. Uh, in fact, in this last game, he had an interception, but he always comes with a price. He, you know, he he Marcus Peters giveth and Marcus Peters taketh away. Uh, the the play before he had given the opposing team a first and goal uh, on a pass interference call, and, and you know Marlon Humphrey is is a positive on a positive. Not only is he looking for that that punch out, but he's also a fantastic cover corner. And uh, I just think that the way that he has played this year, and the way that 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 he has asserted himself as a defensive player. Um, and still being so young has has earned him the defensive player of the year, uh, in my opinion, for this year. Looking at his stats, I look at his interceptions, one interception. Okay, but that doesn't always tell the tale. He has 82 tackles, eight forced fumbles. You know, he's got a safety, quarterback hits, tackles for loss. He, he fills up the stat column, and that's because of how they utilize him. I went with Xavier Howard with Miami because he is that shutdown corner. He will completely take away an entire side of the defense or like an offense to completely shut you down. So I think he led the league with 10 interceptions. Mm, Wow. And, and to me, that is like, that's like the, the Revis Island days, you know, the Stefan Gilmore type stats where it's just like, okay, I'm going to shut down entire side of the field. We can do everything else. I don't know who will get it. Um, A lot of good options this year. There, there really are. And I honestly, I have no idea how people evaluate defensive player of the year. I think offense is a little easier to predict. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of defensive players, you know who I've been very disappointed with this year? Jamal Adams. I thought he was going to thrive on the Seahawks, but to me, he's only been okay. And I I was curious what you thought of what you thought of him and, and that, that how that trades worked out. Oh, I thought it's worked out great. I, I definitely think Seattle won that trade. Okay. Okay. I don't have his stats up. Let's see. Let me pull them up right now. So through 12 games, he's got nine and a half sacks, 59 solo tackles, and a forced fumble. 
he is also someone like um, what we were talking about with Jeremy Chin. Yeah. Lines up all over the field, comes off. I remember watching it during the first game of the year against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm looking at his stats right now. Eight solo tackle or 12 combined tackles for the game, two quarterback hits, one sack. But I swear, watching that game, I thought he had, and I'm not kidding, I thought he had 25 tackles. He was just all over the field. Yeah. And I, I understand some games, you know, he can be missed. Like against Dallas, he only had two tackles, two total tackles. His last game against San Francisco, he only had three total tackles. So I think some teams can minimize him, but the way he's been able to help Seattle's defense, which desperately needed help, I think he did wonders for him. It was kind of having like the the young Earl Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor back there where he can do whatever he needs to in Pete Carroll's off their defense. That's fair. That's fair. Uh I I guess I I will see in these playoffs, you know. So we'll see. All right. So moving into coach of the year, I think there are five or six different ones for yeah. this one as well that you can choose. So who'd you go with? So I, I was really torn between Kevin Stefanski and, and John McDermott. Um, I just think that they, they both have had fantastic seasons considering uh, everything that they've, they've kind of been up against. And it's just really nice to see uh, some, some new young coaches uh, turning some, some franchises around. Uh, I, I can't lie. I kind of wish that the Ravens had uh, a, a superstar young coach. Love, love Harbaugh to death. I think that he's, he's a fantastic coach. I think he's going to be uh, great with us for a long time. I just kind of miss the days when he was uh, a little bit younger. Um, and, and maybe, although I, I do like the coach he's grown into, and I didn't mean to, to go on a tangent about him. I just think that uh, I, I miss as a Ravens fan having the younger coaches. And I, I really appreciate what McDermott and, and Stefanski are doing. Yeah, you know, I, I understand why it's just one coach overall, but if they were to break this up and do um, one for each division or one for each conference, you know, I would go Ron Rivera in Washington, yeah. and then I would go Stefan- Kevin Stefanski uh, for the AFC with Cleveland Browns. Um, what he's done, especially yeah. after that first game, with the 38 to six blowout against the Ravens, you know, you were kind of just like, Oh, Sam old Browns. Yeah. Did, did they get this? But then again, you kind of had to like take that with a grain of salt only because of the, the lack of off season, um, implementing a new offense, all that other stuff that goes with it. But to bring them from what they've been the last, well, let's just say like the last four or five years, because we know their history, he would get my vote being first year head coach for the Cleveland Browns. That's already a, a, an uphill battle, just being a, the coach yeah. for the Browns in general. Yep. Yep. Very true. So this next one I think is, is pretty fun. Well, these, these next two really. So let, let's start with most improved. Um, I see you have a, a team and a player. So who do you have for those? Yeah, look, I've been a, I've been a fan of, of the the Dolphins uh, hiring at coach for for quite some time. I thought that Brian Flores was going to be excellent for them. So, uh, really, this turnover from year one to year two has been really great. Um, so they're my most in, improved team. My most improved player, I would say, is Josh Allen. I think that he's just taken uh, that next step that he needed to in order to become uh, the next tier of quarterback for for that organization. It of course helps getting a wide receiver one, um, but it it truly truly is nice to see him uh be able to to win those close games and, and blow out teams that they need to blow out if you had to choose two who would you uh choose for most improved or do you only have a player uh i only had a player and i i also chose josh allen the the way yeah. he's progressed every year in the league after the first year and we talked about this uh when we did our uh first quarter preview what the, just the way he's progressed after that first year, he kind of just looked like, I don't want to call it a bus, but you were definitely just being like, uh, this guy is reckless. I think he was like 50% yeah. fasting and just looked like a running quarterback. But now he, <laughs> yeah. the dude is dangerous. And he, you know, people are saying like he deserves MVP votes. So I think that takes a lot. Yeah. And I think he does. I just don't think that, that it's comparable this year to, to Rogers. A lot of guys deserve MVP votes, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's diff- it, it, obviously it's different getting a vote versus being actual right. Uh, right, right. the winner of it. Yeah, totally. and team, I, I I don't know who I'd have as a team. I I honestly didn't even think about that, but um, Dolphins definitely come to mind. Um, man, I just think of some of the 
think of some of the playoff teams. Like the Bucks. That's that's an easy <laughs> one. You know, so I I don't know, Cardinals, I, I hate how they finish, but Yeah. Can definitely see the strides there. So just just for um just just as an e- yeah, and you know, I'll just go with the Browns. I, I talked about Stefanski. Let's just say the Browns make it. We'll make it easy on myself. <laughs> yep, that's fair enough. <laughs> so this next one, there were two players for me, but I, you and I definitely have the same one for this one. Yeah, I think I think everyone will have the same. So comeback player of the year, we have Alex Smith. We we sure do, and I think that I, I mostly put this in because I saw uh, a conversation on Twitter about how he might not be uh, the comeback player of the year, and I just want to put all that to bed right now. That that man is is the comeback player of the century, to be honest. And uh, you know his his wife getting him uh, his leg braces shaped as a Lombardi Trophy, just as a as a show of victory from just coming back from such a such an, a horrific injury is so so touching for this time of year, but is truly incredible. Um, when you when you put it into perspective of, of what he's gone through to come back uh, and play at a level that, that has gotten them to the playoffs. Yeah, and, and just to add on that, it's coming into the season, obviously he was the biggest unknown. It was, is he even going to make the 53-man roster? Yep. And, and he did. He didn't even start the year as the starter. He was, I think, the third string and then only came in because of injuries and I believe COVID or was it just injuries, but regardless injuries in the self implosion of a Haskins. Yeah. So because of that, that's the only reason why he got to start and got to play and he proved it. Like he still has it. Like I never thought he didn't have, like he wasn't capable of playing. It's just, he came off with such a traumatic injury that some people are just done. Like they physically cannot play anymore. It's not that they don't want to, they just cannot. I mean, look at look at Cam. He he looks like he cannot play anymore, and he came back off of, off of some some uh, medium, not major, not minor surgery. Yeah. So at the end of the season, we've had quite a few head coaches uh, be terminated, and I, we wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about um, some of those some of those openings and some of the best situations uh, that uh, potential hires could be going into. Greg, do you want to start off? Yeah, so out of the uh, six head coaching and GM uh, available openings, we have the Jacksonville Jags, New York Jets, Los Angeles Chargers, Detroit Lions, Houston Texans, and the Atlanta Falcons. This breakdown that you have up on our outline is perfect because I, I, I hear about the draft capital and the cap space, but just to see it right in front of yeah. me exactly what they have – before I even saw this, my bottom two teams were Houston and Atlanta. Yeah. I, and I had no idea. So Atlanta has negative $24 million in cap space. Houston has that negative 15. So And then they don't really have any draft picks. So like to me, those are the worst places to go. Mm-hmm. Jets, although you have you know, 73 million in cap space and you have some draft picks Their GM seems to make some good, their first pick, they usually do really well. It's after that, that they kind of screw up and implode. Yep. But to me, it's always the jets. I, I lump them in just a dysfunctional organization. And like I said, before I saw all this, I thought the chargers were the best job. They have 30 million in cap space. They have a couple of, I mean, they, have just like a normal amount of draft picks, but the pieces you have there are yeah, so existing. Yeah. I, I think someone who is a proven winner or, you know, who is a good enough coach can come in there and just turn that around. I would start by building the O line and going from there. It, to me, that is the best you're in LA free agents want to go there. People want to be there. Um, to me, hands down, I'm like that. That's no brainer. I understand how people would say, Jacksonville because of the 81 million in cap space and all the picks that they have to rebuild. But I mentioned it before in this or earlier in this episode, give me known what I already have with the chargers compared to the unknown of all the draft picks and the potential of getting people um, in with free agents. So to me, it's the chargers. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I think that that's that's a really great breakdown of this. And uh, 
I can't disagree. I think the Chargers are, are probably the best landing spot, uh, considering especially considering what they have in place already, uh, considering um, just so much of of what would what makes like a, a a team good for the future. And the Chargers have 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 always been that decent team that just hasn't quite um, gotten over the 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 hump yet. And and it, yeah, they, they just don't know how to finish games. They've lost sixteen one possession games. In, yeah. You know this year and, and that's, and that's year. coaching in my opinion and yep. so unfortunately i think anthony lynn uh being replaced was was inevitable i think that they are a good organization to work for um and so i, I think that I, I think that's the best the best spot i'd love if they had an extra first round pick like these other two spots uh and i think that the the jaguars and the jets can really can 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 do a lot of damage next year in the draft uh and and, and i think particularly the outside of the chargers I think that I I would rather go to the Jets. Um, their ownership seems to be so just to not care. Uh, so you'd have a pretty good run of things as long as you get along with your GM. Plus having such such good first two first round picks um, and and an early early second round pick. I think that you know you can you can easily uh, swipe up somebody who maybe missed out on a draft, uh, missed out on the first round, and and was sitting there in the in the second second of second round picks. Uh, so I think that that would be my second place. Yeah. And like I said, it, if you went, if you're a head coach and you went to any of those top three, depending on your experience and who you are, who you have as the GM, because we talked about it in the last episode, just how important it is for the head coach and the GM to be on the same page. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Detroit, because you hired your GM already without even having your coach in place. So we'll see how that works out because as history has shown, it tends to not work. Yep. All right. So I, I saw this. Was this Nate Burleson's thing on good morning football? Yes. But I also saw this on uh TikTok last night. And then I saw the segment on good morning football today. And I was just like, man, dude, that is awesome. So the one that really got me that I was like, wow, that, is, that is so cool because it didn't, it almost didn't happen. It didn't honestly need to happen and it wasn't going to happen. But David Moore, the uh, what's it called? Wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks. He was one catch away from earning his $100,000 bonus. And the play came in and it was take, to take a knee. It was like one of the last plays of the game. And Russell Wilson knew that Moore just needed one more catch. So he kind of looked over at him and gave him a wink. And he was just like, I'm going to get you this ball. So he audibled out and kneeling and called a little shovel pass. Yeah. More, more got the ball. Boom. Got his hundred grand. And I'm like, dude, that is, that's not even a player looking out for someone. That is just Russell Wilson. I love you, dude. Like that is just so cool that you would audible out and just to get him his extra money. You yeah. know what I mean? And the same thing. So there were a couple of players that that happened to Antonio Brown, uh, he needed 11 catches on the day to earn his like $400,000 bonus or something like that. So they just did like three or four shovel passes in a row. Um, Emmanuel Sanders needed 60 catches on the year. So during that game, after he got his 60th catch, he he was just like celebrating because I think his was like a $600,000 bonus. And oh, then wow. the biggest one of them all, which... I mean, this one to me is the hardest because you can't just have a, a quarterback, you know, give you the ball was Leonard Floyd. Uh, I think he's the defensive end of the Rams. He got his 10th sack, which earned him. I think it was one point two five million um, wow. contract incentive. So I just think that is so cool that these players, one, they just get excited when they hit those goals um, because money's money. Like, why would you not? But hearing that Russell Wilson story to me, I was just like, man, I want a quarterback like that who will just yeah. not be like, Hey man, I'm sorry. We can get it next year. He's like, no, we are going to get that for you this year. Like yeah. that is for you. Like you, you work too hard next year's not guaranteed. We're getting you that money. Yeah, absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's a, a good teammate right there. Yeah. That's T.O. would say, that's my court. That's my quarterback. <laughs> so, Let's finally get to the super wild card weekend. Dude, I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. Dude, it's 
it's going to be fun. So we have games on Saturday and Sunday. So the Chiefs are not playing this week because they have the first round by. And yep. in the NFC, Packers are not playing because they have the first round by. Yep. So let's just go through this list starting with We'll start with the seven and two matchup. We'll go with the AFC, NFC, and then we'll just kind of go down there uh, from there. So first one up, we have the seventh ranked Colts at the number two Bills. Who do you have in this game and why? Yeah, so this seeding I think was pretty unfortunate for for the Colts not being able to have beat beaten the Steelers. Um, and so I think that the Bills are so hot, and so I have the Bills in this game. Um, and really because I think that their defense can put enough pressure um, on on the Colts to make them uncomfortable in the pocket and not really able to uh, perhaps uh, be as as agile as they'd like to be. And I think that they have good enough linebackers to shut down a, a run game. So I don't think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be getting uh, the same sort of carries and yards that he was uh, this last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Bills with this one, too. I know the Colts have the number two ranked defense in the league, but what what the Bills did last week, putting up 56 on a Dolphins team that had to win that game. So that wasn't just that wasn't just backups playing. They put 56 on on that team. Yeah. It, yeah. A win and in team. They the Bills right now are are the the team I feel like no Ravens twenty nineteen. No. I, I think I I think it's better than that because of their passing. So they're the team that no one wants to see. They're on such a roll. Um, oh, I was just I was just talking about like their their records and how hot they are going into the playoffs. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm, I, I so we're in agreement on that one. Yeah. So let's, let's jump over to the NFC. We have the Bear, the number seven Bears at the number two Saints. I have the Saints in this. I think their defense is is too good, and I think Trubisky for as as um expanded and and more dangerous as their play calling has been i still think that um the saints defense is a little little too good although i do think that the bears defense matches up really well um so actually this game might be a lot a little bit closer than uh than a lot of people think it 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 will um but i'm still gonna give it to the saints um and i think that uh camara has a huge game uh despite the fearsome bears defense what about you i think the saints win this they win big if the Saints O-line and Camara come out like they did on Christmas Day and yeah. just, just own the line of scrimmage against this Bears defense. If not, it will be a close game, and I think the Saints, because of their better um, defense and because their quarterback, Drew Brees, is better, they will win. But it it could get very ugly um, if they if they can control that line of scrimmage. Yeah. All right. So staying in the NFC, we have the number six versus number three matchup Rams at Seahawks. Uh, I'll start with this one. Yeah. Honestly, I think this one can go either way. I know the Rams may be playing with their backup. I don't know how good Goff is coming off of that thumb surgery, but Seattle just coming into the playoffs have kind of been sputtering um, there. I know the record's 12 and four. I think they win this game, but I won't be surprised if the Rams, if the Rams won it to me, the six, three matchup is kind of like in NCAA brackets and during March madness where it's that, <laughs> yeah. where it's that like six, three, where it could, everyone's just like, Oh, watch for this, you know, upset, upset in the first yeah. round. But I, I I'll say, I'll say Seattle. I'm trusting, I'm, I'm trusting Russell Wilson. Yeah, I have to. Um, I think that's that's going to be a really great game. Oh, I love I love the divisional three three games a season, um, <laughs> including playoffs. Um, I think this will be a really great experiment to see if the Rams are really a McVay system team or if Goff is the one who's truly leading leading that team. I I personally think that it's more of a McVay system, and so I think that they'll be fine offensively. In fact, I I almost uh, think they could be better. Um, with a new quarterback uh, who perhaps has a little bit better timing and field awareness. Anyway, um, so I think that they could they could easily win this game, uh, but I think it depends on what what Seahawks defense comes to play. If it's the Seahawks defense where I'm kind of questioning um, that I was kind of questioning earlier, or is it the Seahawks defense that that came up and showed up to play these last couple of weeks? So we'll see. But I, I think that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the Rams, and that's that's gonna be my my call on that one. 
Yep. So AFC, we have the Browns versus Steelers. So do you want to just replay again, the whole thing I just said about divisional games? I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the fact that they just played last week, um, I, honestly, I think that game, that game said more about the Browns than it did the Steelers. The Steelers sat yeah. a, a handful of their starters and and only lost by. Did I say the Steelers sat starters? Yeah, yeah, uh, and and only lost by two. So I'm just like, I know it's a divisional game. They're they're tougher. The, there's no, there's no way the Browns should have struggled that much against uh, the Steelers with a backup quarterback. So I, I think Steelers will win this one, especially with everything going on. Steelers win. Yep, yep absolutely. I think even yeah, I I agree. I think that's that's exactly how it's going to go. Uh, and I, you know, it sucks. Like that sucks, but it's the game. Yeah. So next up, we have staying in the AFC, the number five Ravens playing the fourth seeded Titans. So Mm. as a very wise person told me yesterday, this game is going to come down to the Titans offense versus the Ravens defense. What, what do you think about that? Mike, that's such a weird way to phrase that. Who would, I don't know who would bring that something like that up. That's crazy. Um, crazy to think that a game would come down to someone's offense versus someone's defense. (laughs) I mean, it's a game within the game, Greg. Um, I hope people out there are rolling their eyes and thinking exactly (laughs) what I thought when you texted me that I really hope people are thinking that. Oh no, probably not. Um, Yeah. I mean, but in all honesty, in all honesty, like what, how do you feel about this game? Yeah, I think I think this is going to be the game of the weekend, uh, the game of Sunday, the game of Wild Card Weekend. I just think that, not. I mean, there's for as much as as Harbaugh wants to say, like you know, I don't think there's any precedent for games to like of the past to have uh, any. It's, it, the past games aren't going to have any bearing on this one, is what he pretty much right, said. right, right. And look, I just think that's BS. I think that, of course, it does. I think that, and that's my fear um, in this game. I think. Lamar has can have a tendency to come out a little too hot sometimes. And I think we've seen that year over year in, in the playoffs. And that's, I just hope that he is as focused as he was for the, for the Bengals game. I thought he was, he was sharp. He was excellent in the, in that game. And that's the, that's the, uh, the run that I hope continues. I think that it might be a second half comeback similar to the Colts game. Uh, if, if the Ravens do win. Um, so I, I guess I'm kind of stealing myself for a, a very close game. However, I do think the Ravens win. I think that they are, if they play like they did against Cincinnati, um, I think that they'll be, they'll be excellent. And so I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. So I'm going to give it to the Ravens, but I'm interested to hear your, your, your take and what you think about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's easy to say if they come out and play against like they did against the Bengals and they could win, but not just because I'm a fan of the Ravens. I think they win this game. I think that their defense is better. Both offenses are really good. So I give the edge to the Ravens defense. They're playing a lot better. They are healthier than the Titans. Right. They're healthier than they were last year. So I, I do think I'm going to give them the slight edge in this game and say that they get it done. Peter Schrager said it perfectly this morning on good morning football. It's going to come down to the passing game, whichever team makes that one pass kind of like the Titans did on Sunday against the Texans where Tannehill threw it deep to AJ Brown and set him up in field goal range. I think it will be something similar to that. Who can make that one or two plays on like a third down that sets the team up um, late in the game. So that's what I think it will come down to. Yeah. Which is weird because I never say that when it comes to Lamar. And I think the last couple games, he's shown that he can do it. So let's see. I mean, he's very efficient through the air. So over to the NFC, the last playoff game, we have the number five, 11 and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the seven and nine Washington football team. Um, You struggling with this one? I am. I'm, this is a, this is a tough one for me. Uh, why don't you start with this one? This this one might be a surprise. I'm going Tampa Bay big. I I, I oh. think. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I think everyone is just talking about all oh, the de- the defense. 
you know, their D line is going to give Brady trouble. And don't get me yeah. wrong, that that is how teams have beat him in the past. It, that's how he's lost two Super Bowls to the Giants. Uh, that's how he's lost to the you know the Eagles is people's defensive line. But I think Tampa Bay has so many weapons that there's no way that they are going to lose this game. They are going to get the ball out quick. Brady might take a couple hits throughout the game, might get a sack or two, but it's not going to. I think I think they're just going to run away with this one. Unlike everyone else thinking it's going to be competitive, I think they just blow them out. You're welcome, wow. Cam. Wear that jersey. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I I, I think I'm. You're gonna jump be, on. You're gonna jump on my take. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it, it could be close, right? But I, I also think that the Buccaneers have uh, a much higher upside uh, than I think the football team's defense does. So yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go Bucks big too. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So out of the six games that are going to be played, what team? do you think has the best chance to make an upset? Oh, I think the the Ravens do. I think that they have the best chance to, to make an upset so technically. Um, but okay. So are you going with just because they're the higher seed? The, the Ravens aren't the higher seed. The Ravens are the lower seed. My bad. Because they're the lower seed. Is is that why you're choosing that one as the air quote upset? Well, I think that it, it technically it would be an upset, right? I, I think that if we're, if we're talking about what people are going to look at, as numerically an upset, the Ravens are, are a lower seed. However, if we're looking at who do people expect to win um, and, and could lose, I think that I would either go with the Rams, the Bears, you're not going to like this one, or the Colts. Wow, so you just went with half the games right there. <laughs> I'm telling you, those are the ones that I'm that I'm that my eyes on. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and choose one, like <laughs> I had originally asked. And I would say, although I would hate it if it happened because I predicted them to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl, I would not be surprised if for some odd reason the Bears upset the Saints. The Saints <laughs> have just had the worst luck in the playoffs that if they were to lose this game, I would just – I'm, I would 100% be done with the Saints, but also kind of just be like, I'd shrug my shoulders and be like, mm, yeah, the past three years have kind of showed me that. <laughs> yeah, this is just normal for them. So that that would be my one upset that I would think. I don't think it's going to happen, but if it were, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you wouldn't be shocked. Nope. Not one bit. Wow, man, it feels good to be back. The time it, really off is it feels good to be back. It, it really does. And now we are in that home stretch. We have just a few more games left until we get to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, but then it's the off season. It's going to be a wild off season with all the, with, you know, obviously with COVID, but the cap space going down. So yeah. it'll be really interesting. The draft will be interesting. Man, the, you know, as people would say, the season starts now. Yep. <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe and leave us a review. Uh, not only do your reviews mean so much to us, but we love reading them and, and helps get found by other people who are searching for new podcasts and particularly about football. You can also follow us on social media. Our handles are in the description of each episode. Tune in next Thursday for another episode of Not Another Football Podcast. See you next week.